0: Good morning. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sports Time 590. The Fan, Justin and Ailish. Happy Tuesday. How are you doing this morning, JC?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Yeah, quick turnaround.
1: Yeah, it was one of those nights. Not the latest game we've ever witnessed. Different I think later we're actually one this week, Sadly, we're kind of on both sides of the equation. Raptors and Leafs, almost there though. One yeah, more late one this week. Not many late
0: ones remaining. Eh? It's not so bad. Well, when it it's a game like, like, the- like that. I didn't even want to hit the PVR and see in the morning. That was an amazing basketball game for 98% of the viewing experience. Yeah,
1: I would say 98% of the viewing experience for sure. It was a great game, though. And not even that that it went against the Raptors late, but it was just like the flow of that basketball game was like very, very enjoyable where it wasn't the ref show Mm. for 98% of the time. And then the last 2% was... Quite the ref show.
0: Yeah, honestly, I, I really enjoyed watching the basketball game. The Raptors looked from the from the tip off fast, smart, dialed in. They came with a level of intensity we hadn't seen lately against what one of the best teams with one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Arguably the best at times. Um it was awesome to watch. They looked completely dialed in for I think they, I believe they led for like forty-two of forty-eight minutes.
1: I think forty-four.
0: Whatever amount, it's a lot of basketball to have led that game against a team where well, I don't think our expectations, and we set this up yesterday, was oh, it's, it's like like Jokic, like Jokic, like it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle, and they they just they were really impressed, and it's just unfortunate that we kind of got robbed from a win. But nonetheless, a performance for this Raptors team to really build on. Just wish it went their way in the end.
1: Yeah, it's a team that doesn't need help at home. Certainly, I think they're twenty and four now. Thirty and four. Thirty and four. Thirty and on four. their home court. Only have a couple games left at home. Anyway, a great record at home uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Either way, and they didn't need that. They didn't need that help. They didn't need to be supplemented by the officials, but they needed help to get back in the game because as you laid out, it was controlled by the Raptors for pretty much start until the finish or at least the finish uh, in terms of like what would be considered maybe fair refereeing. Like until it got down to the two minutes and the two minutes is what's scrutinized by the NBA, it felt like the Raptors were in complete control of that game uh, until it started like, you know, being ripped out of their hands.
0: And Scott Foster, he has made a name for himself, and it's not really a great one. Um, he's, it's, like, synonymous with ref show. Mm-hmm. Like, if you looked up Scott Foster on Wikipedia, other, other words or other ways to recognize Scott Foster, ref show. <laughs> we, we'll talk about this. We'll get it out of the way, because there's lots of things that weren't influenced by this reffing decision, but I think the top... Sp- the top story here is a disappointing end that whether you're a Raptors fan or not, you're a fan of basketball, there was clearly a lopsided one minute to finish out this game. It did not go in favor of the Raptors. I don't think I'm coming on here sounding like a homer. You look at any like general media that watched the rest of last night's game, everyone's like, what the hell happened? Right? Like it's it sucks because. Honestly, the Raptors really did deserve to win that game. But a series of poor calls that timing-wise were added to the the reasoning why they were so poor. Maybe maybe there's a reason some of these should be called in different situations, but you're one minute left in a one-point game. It's the, There's no real reason to make some of these decisions other than you want it to be the ref show, right? There's like a three- or four-series segment that we can pinpoint of areas that I don't think we can agree on needing to be called.
1: Yeah, I mean, you say series. I guess it's a series. They were kind of forced into the game twice, though. What
0: What, do you mean by, what was forced two, into the game? With two
1: challenges. End. Like, they had to get involved making, it, making a, either a change or upholding a call on a challenge. Uh, I think Nick Nurse is, like, partly to blame for this snowballing a little bit. And then mm. I guess they made the wrong call initially in the favor of the Toronto Raptors and then changed it once they were able to look at the, uh, I believe, Jokic and Pirtle play uh, a little later on, and that's what seemed to help set Scotty Barnes off uh, a little bit. So, you know, if if they just kept playing, maybe the result would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Maybe Nick Nurse kind of, like, contributed in, the, in that way. But, yeah, it was like there were, like, very few free throws, very few stoppages. The flow was so good, and the teams were just playing, you know, really well. It was a good basketball game, aesthetically mm-hmm. really enjoyable to watch. And then it screeched to a halt a little bit with the refereeing and the officiating, but also because the coaches got involved, I guess, to a certain uh, extent with the coaches' challenges. And it just seemed like it wasn't necessarily, okay, the refs have it out against the Toronto Raptors, and I I get if you feel that way, Um, but it was just like every single 50-50 play was like you at the roulette table. It was like every single 50-50 proposition went the way of the Denver Nuggets partly because of the officiating, partly because there was some self-inflicted stuff from the Toronto Raptors, and that all added up to about seven or eight Mm -hmm. things that were toss-ups in the moment that all went Denver's way and set up for the
0: comeback. Speaking of toss, Scotty Barnes tossed in the final seconds of the game for, I don't know, what he, what the Twitter sleuths, and there's a lot of people out there, they got the Zoom function on their Rogers Ignite, and we got a close-up of Scotty Barnes in this moment where he's ejected by Scott Foster, and he he obviously shows some disbelief in the foul call. And you can actually hear the audio clip. I'm going to play it. But he says, animal crap.
1: Okay. You could say bull.
0: Whatever. And, And that's what he's ejected for. He doesn't make any... Harsh or rude comment at Scott Foster. Scott Foster, in, in the overhead view, is mm-hmm. at least ten feet from Scotty Barnes. Rips around and double tosses him out. Yeah, from a distance where the other referees. You, this is this is so telling. They're kind of shocked. Like they're mm-hmm. like, what happened? He just got kicked out, and everybody around. Nobody reacts to what Scotty Barnes has to say out loud. Afterwards, obviously, Scotty and Nurse and them are asked about this. And there's just a level of disbelief that this is what you were ejected on. But before we play that, Scotty all night long was really was really vocal and was complaining a lot, which isn't uncharacteristic at this point of the season. He was, you know, falling on fouls to really emphasize that he was getting fouled. Like he was He was suffering all night long. suffering
1: from the case of the Michael Buntings a little bit.
0: All night long. Yeah. Hundred percent. And i I've really been frustrated with that being a, a way of his game this season. At the same time Nick Nurse was red hot all night faces as red as these on-air mic buttons that we got in front of us
1: that's actually the exact picture. the right
0: exact there. color of his face yeah. so that doesn't help like there's there's just you, you got to set yourself up for success those things do add to maybe the way that this game ended it shouldn't you know you, characteristically you should just be able to make a call in a moment but you got to make sure you bring those things up because scotty barnes was was adding a little resume of why at the end of this game it might might have been easier to be like all right I'm done with you buddy well
1: it's an experience thing right like we talk about how young players have to learn and Mm -hmm. they have to grow well officials that have been around for a while they have the experience and they kind of know how to use it as well I think he was probably annoyed by Scotty Barnes the entire game and he decided at the perfect moment to lean into that little guess coral beef rift whatever you really want to call it and he made himself part of the story but he's smart about it what did he say after the game questioning the integrity of the officials and what was you know <laughs> what we believe is called bull crap mm-hmm. you know you that meme where it's like the different forms of crap tell you exactly what like a different definition based on the am- animal you never mm-hmm. seen, seen that? that one like dog is different than bull and yeah horse and all that like they're all like different meanings well, that one that he used, bull. No, it was horse. E- or horse, even better. Because uh, it kind it's of. It's a worse one? No, but it kind the varying of.
0: Varying levels of it, crap.
1: No, but it's. Exactly. But the, but the crap will tell you the different uh, thing. And ho- What is horse? Well, it's like you're not being fair or you're not. Well, you're, he wasn't. That's. It, like, I. It, but it questions the I know, integrity, I get it, right? I get it. So he uses that word. I think word. there's
0: been worse he, things said on he, the basketball
1: court. 100%. But he knows that he can twist that word, say that it's an integrity sure. issue, exactly what it was, I guess, because he's protesting the call. He says, you're not holding up your end from an integrity standpoint. And Scott and he twists Scotty's words to make it fit his agenda and his agenda the whole time or his agenda in that moment mm-hmm. was to punish Scotty Barnes for what he had been doing
0: all game long, all game long for sure.
1: And that's and and I guess if you like, yeah, you can be all over Scott Foster. You deserve to be. He made himself part of it. It was a quote unquote ump show in a lot of ways, but Scotty set himself up for all this. With the complaining, he set himself all season. And he's certainly with not all blameless in this. The complaining, and even Nick Nurse has a hand in it because mm-hmm. he was doing the barking as well. And when everyone is all over these refs, they wait until it hurts you. I feel like it's just it's garbage. Mm-hmm. It's a different form of crap whatever animal you want to choose. Where but, is it on
0: the, the crab scale? But
1: they choose moments to punish you, and that's exactly what happened in that moment.
0: 100%. Um, let's play Barnes' reaction post-game of getting ejected in the last minute of a one-point game.
2: Uh, I was just saying something to myself, and uh, I guess he took offense to it, so uh, it just threw me out of the game. So you weren't talking to the official you were just talking to him, like, I was just like 30. talking to myself. It was just, like, normal talk. I felt like uh, I got fouled on something, so I just told them about it a little bit. But I guess they were just mad. I don't
0: know. Okay. Yes, um, it seems extremely unfortunate. It felt like a, a way larger punishment than needed to happen. But in full sample size, you're a young, unexperienced guy. This has been a, a way of you, the Michael Bundy parallel was really good there because this has now been a season of seeing a lot of frustrated Scotty Barnes. And then last night, it felt like it was at another level once again. And with the result, maybe this is like a, it's a, it's got to be a learning point. Regardless of if you agree with the the call in the last minute and the ejection, you it's a learning moment for a young guy who's in his second season who still needs to earn that level of, you know, prestige or respect from referees. It shouldn't be that way, but that's the way the, the you know, you're not seeing these calls go for the MVP on the other side of the court, right? Well,
1: like, you don't really hear Nikola Jokic talking either. And
0: he just he just performs.
1: Yeah. And he doesn't chase triple-doubles like uh, good old Giannis who gets it it taken away from him. Uh, You know, yeah, I think you earn your leash, right? You earn your leash in those moments. You earn your ability to talk. And as much as that's like it's not fair and it it leads to frustrating moments, I think it's just the realities of the NBA and especially the old-school view of certain officials. I don't know how long Scott Foster's been around. We got Alvin Williams on a little later. I'm sure... There's a story. I'm sure there's uh, an opinion that he can give us on Scott Foster because I know he's been around for a little while, um, but that's just sort of the MO of some of these guys. They want to show you that they're in control. It's a power thing, and he executed that power and authority uh, when it hurt the Raptors the most. I will say, though, that's not the only reason why they collapsed. No,
0: like this this part one, let's get it out of the way. Like The refereeing and the final minute is the way it is. got to be able to play through mm-hmm. it or put yourself up for success and they didn't put themselves up for success in that final stretch of the game.
1: Yeah, it's what we've been talking about all year. Losing close games. 28 seasons. I just looked it up. 28 seasons. He's uh, officiated
0: 1,617 regular season games and 28 seasons as an NBA staff official.
1: Definitely some overlap there, so we'll ask Alvin about it. Um, we talk it all year about like what has really plagued the Raptors and it's been Results in tight games. And we can talk over and over again, like, oh, if, 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 what it was, I think it was four and 10 at one point. And it's either worse yeah, or around the same NBA mark league now. And being
0: worst at one point.
1: And we were like, oh, what if they were 10 and four there? Well, you earn the victories in those moments. And the Raptors' worst stretch of the game, not just because the officials, was the final two minutes. Like a lot of the mistakes piled up in those moments. Of course, the Scotty blow up was you know, the complaining catching up to him was the big, big, big thing. But there are other examples all over the floor of them giving inches away and eventually the Mm -hmm. Nuggets taking a mile. Like Fred just like lost the ball randomly at one point. You got Nick Nurse barking and contributing maybe to the foul stuff. You have him wasting a challenge and his last time out because he was aggrieved by a call. And then it just snowballs from there but like you see on the other side the veteran nature of the Denver Nuggets and how they can use the final 2 minutes to their advantage Nikola Jokic you're like you can't hack a shack anymore right but he he takes a foul on Pertle puts them to the line without it being like a blatant hack a shack which would have been i think a shot and and possession he puts Pertle to the line just as a smart veteran move that that works out beautifully because Pirtle misses both of those free throws and gives them possession back. It was like Denver figured out and has figured out how to do the little things in those crunch moments. And the Raptors, it seems like they just lose themselves. They lose focus. They lost what they had been doing for 46 minutes in those final two minutes. And I feel like that explains why they have such a poor record in these tightly contested games, these one possession games, these one score games late. It's for this reason they don't know how to close where a team like Denver who wins 30 times out of 34 appearances on their home court, they figure out ways to win and to succeed in these crunch moments. It was, that was the big difference between these two teams because Toronto played punched up, played up to the standard of the best team in the Western Mm -hmm. conference. But when plays had to be made, decisions had to be made, brain power was tested. Denver took over.
0: It's the margin of error that becomes really thin when you play a team like this. And, once again, Will Lou has a really good post-game Raptors podcast that you should listen to, and he laid out at least 10 incidences where the Raptors made tiny little mental mistakes. And yes, no one's going to play a perfect game, but they were playing one of their best games of the season. And small things like a miscommunication, not seeing someone down halfway down the court wide open, missed opportunities, the extra pass going up for shots that, you know, there was a better decision to be made, losing the ball, as you mentioned, like tiny things. And in the end, you're losing a game on one point, one possession that becomes two at the end with the free throws. But Mm -hmm. it's felt like at times you saw the inexperience of this Raptors team. But overall, I'm leaving with a, a, a really positive feeling about if this Raptors team can play, A similar, I mean, it's going to be asking a lot to play every game like this, but if you can put together a performance against the 46-19 and Denver Nuggets with an MVP roster in a play-in, the Raptors are scary. Like, that's a hard team to play against when they're rolling that. Fred looked awesome. The way that OG, we didn't even talk about the the defensive mark, but putting OG on Jokic was a really great decision. Like, Nurse really put them in a good position to win from the beginning. They did mm-hmm. fall apart. They they lost this game on a possession or two. There's tiny mental mistakes and errors that end up being bigger than anything because you're playing a team that can exploit them. But looking at that performance, I thought, all right, like if the Raptors can put a performance like this up against a Wizards team or someone in a play in, they're scary. And like that was a really positive step forward, I think, if you're looking for ways to to erase the way that the game ended. I was really impressed with that Raptors performance. We said it was one of the best that that we've seen this season long, and I'm hoping that that's just a good building block and a level of confidence for them, even though it did end in an unfortunate fashion.
1: I guess you can't make the argument that it was their best game of the season given the last two minutes. I think it was their best 46 minutes of the season, though. Well. I, I thought they I were agree. I thought they were spectacular. I th- I think that was for three for three quarters plus. It was the best that I think I've seen them play all season long. And you mentioned like okay, can they do that against Washington? We just talked about, uh, yesterday about how maybe Washington's a bad matchup in some ways. Maybe Denver's a good matchup in an odd way because you actually have someone who can deal mm-hmm. with Nikola Jokic. Like if you're a Western Conference professional scout this morning, you're kind of you're kicking yourself.
0: You know, OG you, played you're, right back into their brains, eh?
1: Well, you're either blaming yourself or you're kicking or you're a little aggrieved by your general manager who decided they didn't want to pay the OG price. Because if you wanted someone to deal with Nicole Jokic in a playoff series, now, it, it never seems to go Denver's way. Like, they find a way to at least balance the effect of the soon-to-be, we think, three-time MVP. Like, he hasn't been able to go to a... NBA Finals, and there are struggles for Denver when the playoffs roll around. It's not the same as the regular season, but if you need someone to handle Nikola Jokic, the Raptors have one in OG Ananobi. I think he only took eight field goal attempts. He almost still had a triple-double, but the Jokic impact was minimized, and a lot of that was just OG being strong enough and quick enough to just contain him. Like He was trying to get to his spots and couldn't. OG did an unbelievable job and really showed his worth uh, as a defensive player in that matchup. And maybe that just makes it a great matchup for the Raptors versus the Denver Nuggets because they have someone who can deal with Jokic defensively, and they have someone all of a sudden who can deal with Jokic from an offensive standpoint. Jakob yeah, did a great job scoring around Jokic in the game. Like, it was on both ends of the floor. Nick Nurse had an answer for the game's best mm-hmm. player and someone who's in line to win a third straight Uh, MVP so yeah if you're a Western Conference Scout you might be a little bit annoyed right now but if you're the Raptors you got to think about how you could leverage this against other teams because yeah Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray burned them in the end that Michael Porter Jr. can shoot the basketball really really impressive and Jamal Murray took over in the fourth quarter that's that's how you burn the Raptors and Washington had been doing that for the last two games similarly with that you know just Real athletic moves and shooting from the outside, three-point shot. If if you can hit it consistently against the Raptors, the Raptors are going to be hard-pressed to keep up. But against Jokic specifically, mm-hmm. Raptors did an amazing job, and that's what put them in the chance or in the driver's seat to win that game before they, they coughed it up.
0: Yeah, they're back in action tomorrow night against the Clippers and the Lakers, so looking to find a way to replicate some of this defensive shutdown and opportunities like Fred looked really great last night. This has been a couple good Fred nights in a row. Uh, 10 assists and back-to-back games for the first time since 2022, January. He just – he's playing he, – he's playing, like, really poised. And that's what I want to see from Fred because the roller coaster of Fred's season was something we talked about approaching the trade deadline, about is this a guy that you want moving forward for your team? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I've seen just a reset from a lot of these guys – after the whole debacle of what's going to happen, the trade deadline, are you selling, are you buying? Like, I think that they're they're now going to find a way to have some togetherness. That was a great example of that. A, a, a really great performance, looking to find a way to, to continue doing that moving forward. But Fred, one of the reasons why that game was the way it was, um, and I just think seeing a Raptors team come out strong from the beginning, like, it seems so simple, but to start mm-hmm. a game strong and to look that dialed in, like, that first... That first quarter, they looked like they were playing with purpose. And that's, I I think, really set you up for a great game down the stretch. Because when they fall behind, I just find like they're chasing so much. It becomes a frustration. It becomes very desperate. But I really liked liked most of that game. So it, it is tough this morning to have to... You know, talk about a loss that really should have been a win.
1: Yeah, outstanding back-to-back games from Fred Van VanVleet. Uh, it might be the dad's strength 3.0, as as you mentioned mm. when he uh, welcomed his uh, new, new baby a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, what I what I think he did specifically really well yesterday, he manipulates bigs really well. Like a couple times where he just kind of like gave you know, drove hard at Jokic, stopped on a dime, and just hit the shot over him. And he, the pick and roll, he gets Jakob Purtle involved. So both from from an offensive standpoint, using his own bigs and manipulating the opposition's bigs defensively. I think that's what that's what Fred does really, really well. And the fact that they you know kind of remove that voluntarily from the mm-hmm. equation for a couple of years, not having a big themselves, not having Jakob Purtle. It's like, can you see the full extent of? Uh, Fred Van Vliet, without that like puppeteering sort of thing he does when he's way more athletic than a couple players on the floor. He can make space for himself, whether he's setting up his own guys or or hitting shots in the mid-range. So I, I thought Fred had a, another spectacular game. And if he plays that way, they can make best use of this season. That's right. He can be a huge, huge difference maker when he's on. He's really, really difficult to control, maintain, and not have a massive influence on the success and failure for the Toronto Raptors and whether or not they win the game. I think Fred needs to, you know, that leadership, that that someone taking the bull by the horns type of mentality. If he plays that way, if he asserts himself himself in the way that he has the last two games, that's what puts the Raptors in the best position to win.
0: Unfortunately, missed another opportunity to pull to 500 last night. Um, Atlanta also lost. They had a chance to pull ahead of them for eighth place, but still remaining in ninth. Would have been a big win not only to beat the Nuggets to win on the road against a team that is basically the Boston Bruins of the NBA on home ice, Mm -hmm. but also standings-wise. So I'm feeling like a lot of positives to pull away from it. Regardless, we're going to have Alvin Williams on at 7.30, Um, Bryce Salvador at 7, and Joshua Cloak at 8 o'clock to up Maple Leafs and Devils, which is a big one tonight with a lot of – frustrating, maybe unfortunate news as well, coming out of Maple Leafs uh, media day yesterday, Ryan O'Reilly. So
1: much for the center depth.
0: So much for that, eh? Um, Headed to LTIR, he did break his finger in Saturday's game against the Vancouver Canucks, probably what we were not hoping to hear. Unfortunately, he's going to head to LTIR. No definite timeline for his return, but they're feeling confident that he could be back in time for playoffs. He'll um, obviously have to miss a minimum of 10 games in 24 days. So no Ryan O'Reilly for a while. John Tavares also saying um, that he's not feeling himself. Mm-hmm. What was the proper wording? I not think feeling not, himself. Not feeling
1: himself was, uh, was the exact wording, I believe.
0: Will not also be in the lineup tonight. Against a really good New Jersey Devils team. Yeah. Looking to rebound. From old Sam
1: a- Lafferty will hold down the uh, second line center role against one of the one of the teams that belongs to the Eastern Octagon.
0: So, nineteen games left in the regular season. We're not going to see O'Reilly for most of them, I assume.
1: Let's say not vast majority. You'd, vast you'd majority
0: think. of them. Maybe this is just a, a little reset for John Tavares because they don't play again until Saturday night mm-hmm. on on home ice here against Oilers. So you don't play today. You get basically almost a week of rest time. Um, I don't know if it. I don't know what to make of the not feeling himself. Do you think it's related to the? massive hits that he received on friday or more or sorry saturday or more like not feeling himself like illness wise i didn't really get the pers like what they're trying to hint at or not hint at anything i guess
1: yeah i think they're definitely using the myers hit right mm-hmm. I who's, who's the other ones dakota johnson i'm not sure it was the, the other hit but laid out twice oh, but yeah. before he hit the myers wall he hit his own personal wall right like it hasn't been going particularly well for john tavares And what I kind of think here, load management with a little bit of cause, maybe, yeah, not feeling particularly good, but like, is he missing a game in the playoffs because he's not feeling good? It wasn't exactly concussion protocol Mm -hmm. because he's out on the ice the next day or two days later, you know, going through a full team practice or a semblance of a full team practice. So you, you laid it out perfectly there. Only one game between these two Saturday nights. It feels like, hey, can we get John Tavares a week off? Because A, he took some big hits and might Mm -hmm. be feeling a little off. But B, he'd been struggling and slowing down a little bit. And we need to make sure that he is rested and ready to go. And that he has fresh legs or the freshest legs he can possibly have in a playoff series. So it feels like a little bit of load management hidden or concealed or shrouded by the fact that, yeah, he got we have an excuse here with him that getting banged up a little bit in the last game.
0: Here is a uh, Keefe on captain John Tavares, just not feeling like himself ahead of tonight's game.
2: John's just, just not feeling himself today. Um, not feeling great, uh, but wanted to skate and see exactly where he's at. And, and he got through it and was feeling a little bit better than he had thought. But I think just more so for him uh, out of an abundance of caution, we we'll, We'll leave him out of, out of the lineup for tomorrow and get him ready for Saturday.
0: Well, take it whichever way you'd like, but no John Tavares tonight. So that center depth, as you mentioned, a little bit questionable down the stretch here. Um, O'Reilly's absence will will be felt, but maybe we'll get to see some set lines and less of the maneuvering. But nonetheless, it's 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 not a nice feeling, not a settling. There's, I'm trying to find the silver lining, but not having Ryan O'Reilly, who you acquired for a little bit here, you're starting to see the parallels of the Felino stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, like the curse. If it happened, <laughs> it's better that it happened when it did mm-hmm. than it happened three weeks from now because, yeah, it would affect the, affect the playoffs that have happened three weeks later. But the, the reality now is uh, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be jumping on a moving train. And that's what you didn't want, getting ahead of it, getting, well, they got a couple of weeks in, you know, under the, under his belt now because they got him early. But the whole point, let's integrate this important piece, really, our our rental and our big swing and the person who's going to carry all of the risk in terms of asset management before the deadline. Like, this was the big swing. Ryan O'Reilly, let's get him in here. Let's get him acclimatized. Let's play him on a top or a top six uh line before we put him maybe into the bottom six where he can sort of solidify things. Like, this was their big move. This was the most important piece, at least, to get integrated into the system. And now he's going to come back, you know, maybe not fully conditioned for the playoffs and without the chemistry that you were hoping to build for six weeks down the stretch. It's very, very unfortunate Mm -hmm. that the Maple Leafs, and it feels very, very Maple Leafs, and it just seems to happen to this team that they're losing the guy that they brought in and that they're temporarily investing in for a prolonged period of time like it's it's there's no way to really spin the positive I don't think you had him for maybe 2 months max at least in terms of regular season play and you're only going to get half of that
0: mm-hmm. no it's uh it's it is extremely unfortunate and unlucky and that's the the way sometimes she goes
1: I will say it's better like, Ryan O'Reilly is a pro. Ryan O'Reilly probably can manage this situation, well, I think, the better thing is than it's, others. It's a
0: broken thumb or finger. You can still be in game shape. Like, you could still be skating. You can still be you can ripping still be skating, around but out You there. can't really
1: simulate game shape, can well, you? Uh,
0: no, of course. So I mean, He's not going to be playing in battles in the puck.
1: I, I'm just saying, he, he, he's going to get back in, we think. And I think you trust that player to, okay, let's simplify right. things. Let's get into the third line center role. That probably means, hey, he's not playing the intricate role with Mitch Marner and and John Tavares in the second line, at least I would think or expect. Let's really basics. Let's do our job. Mm-hmm. Let's be defensively responsible. Let's grow into our role when we get back. I think it takes a little bit of the freedom and the, um, the options – that Sheldon Keith did have away from him, and they just got to simplify things once he gets back because now they got to find out who can play together, tandems that work, lines that work, in his absence over the next month or so.
0: So O'Reilly, LTIR, John Tavares, whether it's feeling a little off, can't officially be concussion because we would know that, but maybe it's just effects of getting hit and rocked and not feeling himself. He'll also be out tonight. Um, other pieces of news that I thought were... Notable was Michael Bunting discussing his game with the media. Um, obviously, we started talking about Bunting's disappearance from impact lines, impact role, the score sheet over the last couple weeks. Um, hasn't been hasn't been playing like himself. Neither has you know some of these stars in general. But mm-hmm. a guy that we circled about three months ago is looking for a big time extension with the Maple Leafs in the. In the long term range, how much is he gonna end up? He was outplaying, you know, his contract, he's not gonna be able to get afforded here. Like it's been a little bit of a quiet stretch for Michael Bunting, um, notably so being demoted to the fourth line. That's a big drop down from he's a guy who's with, playing.
1: He's playing with two guys who were non-options That's tonight right. about five days ago. Non-options, Pontus Holmberg and Alex Steves. These guys were Erased from our memories and now he's gotta make it work on a fourth line with them tonight against New Jersey.
0: A tough fall from Grace a little bit um for Michael Bunting. He was asked about this post Maple Leafs practice yesterday, just like where are you at right now, buddy?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's it is what it is and um you know I'm gonna hopefully, you know, uh, get it back here and you know, just play my game, get to the net and work those uh areas that I, I have strengths at.
0: I do feel like Michael Bunding's a guy that will see this and maybe light a fire under his ass a bit. I hope that's the direction it goes. I think he's been really proud of his role on this Maple Leafs team for the last year or two. I think he's been very fortunate in his role with the Maple Leafs for the last year or two. I think he Likes
1: been, being best buddies with I, number
0: 34. 100%. I think he was put in a very fortunate situation. And he... It did rise to that occasion. Don't get me wrong. He played alongside the Hart Trophy winner. But it's not that easy to do that all season long. And I think we've seen a little bit of uh, a mountain to climb. And frustration has, has shown, just like the Scotty Barnes stuff from last night. I think it's, it's started to affect his performance, maybe so much so that the focus isn't there, right? It's focused on... I'm not getting this call and I and I'm in the I'm in the corners and I'm I'm scuffing stuff up and I think it it needs to come back to basics for Michael Bunting so maybe the demotion to the fourth line is a way to say buddy like this isn't the way that you're going to be a, a key contributor of this team you got to find a way to to be more than just the guy that you know cross checks someone and, and has a little smirk
1: Well it better motivate him because I think he's playing for his future with this organization over the next 6 weeks and in the playoffs mm-hmm. of course Uh, It hasn't gone well. His influence has waned significantly over the last few weeks here. And, yeah, things could be completely different this summer. There could be a new general manager. That new general manager could be looking to blow things up. Maybe they love Michael Bunting's game and they see past, you know, other things that have been going on. But if everything stays the same, how can you – based on where the season has gone and kind of the way he's run into his own little personal wall, whether he's Scotty Barnesing if you want to use it the other way, through this season, and his influence in terms of like, hey, I can't trick officials anymore. They know who I am and what I do doesn't work all that well anymore. In addition to all the other things that are not necessarily going all that well for him. I feel like he's playing for his future with this organization. He needs to find a way to give something to this group, whether it's on the fourth line or first line that he was giving before. Because frankly, based on what we've seen this year, I don't think it would be at all appropriate to give him a multi-year contract extension to give him three, $4 million on a multi-year deal. Even with that, just trying to keep the price down on him by using term, you got a guy go like Ryan O'Reilly. mean just talked about how that might be just pure rental stuff, but if Ryan O'Reilly's in the discount mode after making over $76 million in his career so far, wants to be a Leaf, wants to stick around, well, there's no room. There's not room for both of them. No. You can't do Ryan O'Reilly at five, I think that decision
0: seems five easy to, to, to six,
1: me. and Bunting at four. Like there is competition internally now for that little bit of money. But also, with the way he's played, I think Leaf's management has to be thinking twice, three times, four times over about what you want to do with this asset because we we're talking about eight years at the start of the year. <laughs> how do you thinking right now? That's if crazy. that eight-year contract hasn't even started, even if it's a depressed price because it's eight seasons, based on how he's played, he has only stayed at his spot in the lineup because he works or has worked mm-hmm. with Austin Matthews. And now we're not seeing that. Now he doesn't have that luxury where he's right alongside one of the team's best players. He drops down to the fourth line. He doesn't have that insulation anymore. He's got to make something happen by himself, or we're asking the question, like, you can't pay a guy a bunch of money just because he's friends with Austin Matthews and can work sometimes with Austin Matthews. He's got to be able to have an impact regardless of the situation. And right now, and since, you know, for, for a couple of weeks here, we haven't seen any of that impact.
0: A lot to play for down the stretch, and sometimes that's where you see the real character of a player. You know, if they rise to that and they say, I'm, I want to be in this organization, I want to play my heart out, maybe he's more suited to be a fourth-line grinder. Maybe he's more suited to be an energy, energy guy on that line. Maybe he hasn't been the skill finesse guy and it was just the players you're playing against. I think we're going to learn a lot about Michael Bunting down but the like, stretch here.
1: Suited like a fourth-line guy. Like, he doesn't have fourth-line presence. Like what's the difference between him and Nolachari if they're playing in the bottom six? Bunting may be a little bit more of a skilled finisher, mm-hmm. but how many how many opportunities are you gonna get?
0: Well, that's, that's the, di- thing. the
1: big difference Depends is that people, with, eh? people can bounce off Nolachari. People run through Michael Bunting. I almost feel like he has to be top six to really, really get anything, but he hasn't earned that top six role. That's something you mentioned privilege. That's That is a privilege to play with Mm -hmm. those guys. You have to continue to earn it every single day. And he hasn't earned it for a while now. And I worry, a fourth line with Holmberg, Steves, and Bunting, like, what's the (laughs) utility there? What are you going to get out of that group? I I frankly have no idea. Well, play
0: yourself off that line. Yep. That's what I want to see tonight. It's got to be energy from him. Okay, more um, lineup shakeups today. Luke Shen will not be in the lineup as his wife is expected to. Have a baby, which mm-hmm. we knew about when... She was
1: in attendance there in Vancouver with the other two kids.
0: Hopefully a couple of days away. Um, I believe it's nine days in... Is there due date? So maybe it'll be a little early Their baby. due dates nine days away? It was due oh, to give birth be. in nine days. That's why it was this it's a been long time. it an extended absence here. <laughs> yeah. um, nonetheless, that's not exactly what... Well, you know, I guess
1: they don't play again until Saturday, right. so we can hang around for the week and then... Yeah.
0: So, yeah, well. no Luke Shen tonight. Uh, Timothy Lulgur will make his return to the lease lineup after... Two consecutive games of being healthy scratch. He was skating alongside Morgan Riley at practice yesterday.
1: I mean, speaking of opportunities, I think this actually means more to the success and failure of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what happens here with Timothy Liljegren? Because you know, we saw Luke Shen and Eric Gustav thing, Eric Gustav thing, Eric, Eric
0: Gustav thing, Eric,
1: Eric, <laughs> Eric Gustav thing. Try things That's out. That's a good one. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I I feel like we saw the utility of. Luke Shen, we saw the heavy hits. We saw the. Yeah, you were literally not a fan
0: of anything other than the nostalgia.
1: No, I like that. I just don't, you're not, don't miscast him as a top I pairing know, defenseman. I know. And I don't even think Lilligrin is top pairing defenseman worthy, but maybe you just readjust role. Maybe it can work with Luke Shen if you're playing Morgan Riley like Rasmus Sandin, where you're sheltering him a little bit and you put him on a, on a third pairing, at least in terms of role where he can thrive and play more offensively and lean on Luke Shen. But if you want to play him against top competition, it's probably not an option. Not sure if Lilligren's an option, but I think Lilligren is closer to giving you that. So we'll see if he can help settle Morgan Riley, if Morgan Riley can help settle Timothy Lilligren. I think your best version of the Maple Leafs includes Lilligren in a playoff lineup. He's got to find his role, though, and carve out space for himself. We'll see if he can take strides towards doing that with Luke Shen. Not available.
0: Uh, last clip here, Sheldon Keefe speaking about Lilgren getting back into the lineup. Uh, the competition on the blue line, which once again, that can be a really positive thing. You know, what were the Maple Leafs playing for this last two months? We said, oh, they're going to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Maybe they're playing for home ice. Maybe they're not. Now there's roster competition. There's lineup competition. There's you're fighting for your spot in the playoffs where things matter. So maybe that is a way that Timothy Lilgren elevates his game. Here's Keith on um, everything happening with the blue line.
2: Lilligren has played good for us all season. We've kind of pulled back on him here the last little bit to give uh, Shen and, and Gustafson a chance to get in and get comfortable with our group. But, uh, you know, we'll get him, get him back in and we'll just go six defense tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's a chance for him to get going. He's you know, he's, We have been working him through on the power play and getting him some extra touches there, even more so here now going into tomorrow night. So... Yeah, that's, he's an important guy for us, for sure. But yeah, as I've talked to him about, our team is, is is deeper on defense now than it was prior to the deadline. So with, with him and the rest of our defense, the standard is higher in terms of uh, staying in and competing with that. And he was in a similar situation last season. And, uh, you know, whether it's, like I said, he or any of our other guys, you know, they, they've they got to, when they're in, they've got to do a really good job because other guys won't apply too.
0: All right, we'll see what him and Gustav Thing bring to the lineup tonight
2: no we're not the Disgusting thing is not
0: <laughs> too bad eh? well I'm, the thing about that is I'm really happy that we're going 60 so just like let's stop the experiment. yeah
1: and I get all that you're trying to get two guys you know to try to actually feel the puck a little bit as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs it all makes sense does it mean that Liljegren should sit forever no I don't think anyone outperformed him I don't think anyone took him out of the lineup with their standard as as Sheldon Keith put it and now I guess it's back on Liljegren to hold his spot
0: Maple Leafs in action tonight at 7 p.m. in New Jersey. We will have a host from MSG, covers the New Jersey Devils quite closely, uh, Bryce Salvador, former New, Jer- New Jersey Devils captain as well. He's going to talk to us at 7 a.m. Tee-up. Timo Meyer, who's making his home debut tonight.
1: Scored in his real debut the other night.
0: Looking good with that team and how the Eastern Conference shakes up post-tree deadline. We'll get all that with him at 7 a.m. But a little NFL action here to wrap up the 6 o'clock block here. Um, The quarterback dominoes are starting to fall. Derek Carr signs a four-year, $150 $150 million contract with the New Orleans Saints. Geno Smith and his I'm a right back or I won't right back. He has signed at least a check. With Seattle Seahawks. And today is the day, the final day, to franchise tag all your quarterbacks at Lamar Jackson. What happens next? Lots going on in the QB market.
1: Yeah, if you told me $52 million guaranteed we go to Geno Smith before Lamar Jackson... I call you crazy, but this is also (laughs) Lamar Jackson putting himself in this position, right? Like he's he wants everything, and good for him because he's that guy, and he'll get eventually what he wants. It just seems like it won't be from the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting moves. Derek Carr was like kind of the replacement-level quarterback floating around where someone could grab him and get like at least competent uh, contributions from behind center. Is he going to be a guy that goes to a Super Bowl, turns a team, elevates one team from, you know, mediocre status into Super Bowl status. No, I don't think he's that guy. He might make New Orleans the best team in the AFC South, though, just by being a competent quarterback, uh, although very mistake prone. Uh, I think the Geno Smith one's the most interesting, Mm -hmm. though, because Seattle was Seattle put itself in a great position with the Russell Wilson trade tons of picks uh, tons of money at their disposal. But now Geno Smith is soaking up a lot of that. And I wonder with two picks in the first round of this draft, both fifth and 20th overall, I think they should still go out and get a quarterback. Even though this is a three-year deal with Geno, and you trust him and you feel good about it, and you're giving him a lot of money right up front, and he deserved that money for, I guess, what he did last year. I think you still have to look to the future. And if there's a guy that you like at five or twenty, I think you got to be you got to really consider doing that because you
0: need a buffer because he's NFL comeback player of the year. But that's he's also been around year. for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this might be his pocket where he gives you good quarterbacking, mm-hmm. but it's not going to last forever. It's not going to be ten years of Geno Smith. 100%. So if you can get that guy because you're drafting fifth overall and you're going to be around 20th overall if someone slips a little bit that you like i think seattle would be crazy not Mm. to at least consider it but for now at least they get the stop gap it's a really high paid stop gap and maybe they're even in a better situation than new orleans uh is with david carr with or i always say david carr Derek carr with geno smith david carr why do you
0: think you say that
1: just because it's first eh? overall, he's got more pedigree. <laughs> that's right. Not quite it's as good. Not mind. quite replacement level. But it's top of mind. Derek. Yeah, Derek Carr could make New Orleans, you know, heavy favorites even in the uh, NFC South. But I don't think anyone's really all that good, and that's the important context.
0: Okay, um, today will be interesting because of that four p.m. Tra- uh, franchise tag deadline. It seems like it's going to come up to the final minutes here with the Lamar Jackson decision. I don't know if you have any thoughts or feelings of where this is going to go, but man, this has been the talking point before preseason as well. It's like, this is a big season for this guy. What's going to happen? I don't know. It's been quiet in terms of like the tension between these guys, but not knowing right now, I would, I don't know how confident I'd be feeling if I was a Ravens fan.
1: I feel like it's just the slow process towards the divorce that Mm -hmm. we all expect. Right. I I don't I don't know if there's going to be anything really surprising other than, you know, maybe a little shock where he ends up in the end. I'm not I'm not sure how it's going to go. I think the real I think the one point of entry at least with this quarterback carousel still is Aaron Rodgers is he going to go to the New York Jets? What does well, that mean? Well, it seems
0: like it's bust. Like it's Rodgers or bust right now for the Jets. Like,
1: yeah, what is what that? What else wh- is there? The Jets haven't planned anything else.
0: That's what they're hoping.
1: And it seems like they've put all their eggs in that basket. Does it happen? What does it mean for the Jets? Can they compete in the AFC East if they get him? Like truly, truly compete with Buffalo? And where does that leave Green Bay? All of a sudden, Green Bay would have a ton of money, mm-hmm. draft capital. They'd be ready to go and like a quick rebuild on a guy they've stashed away in the same way that Seattle should in Jordan Love. They've had Jordan Love on the bench for what, five years now? Four or five years? It's been it's been a little bit here. He's had his time to to learn under Aaron Rodgers to soak in as much as he possibly can. Maybe Green Bay's got something without Aaron Rodgers and maybe the Jets have something with Aaron Rodgers
0: we got to take a break, um, but I don't know if you heard the rumblings of Tom Brady on retiring. Well, they're starting up again, and I just I can't handle I'll it. I'll
1: just say this. If he comes back and he retires next year, we don't speak about it. Like, we did it. We did the Twice. legacy thing. We did it. It happened. We did the for real this time thing. We're not doing the for real, for real this time thing.
0: We already eulogized I don't know could happen we now, We already Justin. did it, Tom. Not doing it again. It's, Unfortunately, uh, it's trending again, so take it with a grain of salt. Anyway, we got the A-List on the other side. Then Bryce Salvador joins us at 7 a.m.
1: Sportsnet 590, the Fan. Now it's time for hey, the A-List.
2: Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby?
0: An update from yesterday's conversation that we had that caused quite a lot of tension in the text line voicing their displeasure with our thoughts on Giannis's decision to give himself a rebound to secure a triple-double with dying seconds in a lead with no pressure by himself at the end of the court, just like, hey, I'm going to give myself a rebound, boom, secures a triple-double, buzzer goes. The league heard us and thought, wow, you know what? This is a scandal. We must revoke (laughs) the triple-double. From Giannis, because of this final moment where he didn't, in, he didn't actually try to score. So they had the punishment or the ruling behind it is it wasn't like a, a real shot attempt. The integrity of the game, which you discussed, was. uh the Scott was leveled Foster out.
1: move. Scott Foster move.
0: Oh. Scott Foster. So the league rescinded his tenth rebound saying there was no intent to score a field goal, i.e. no intent to make the shot. As the league rules say, that a field goal attempt must have those intentions behind it.
1: I don't know how they, like, I'm all for taking it away because yeah, it was, it was you are. Bush. You were too. <laughs> don't Bush. side with the text line. It was Bush.
0: Well, I said I was in the middle of the Venn No, diagram.
1: no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 mm-hmm. no. No, 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 You didn't like it either. <laughs> Don't side with the text I said line. I respect the hustle, but... Uh, I just don't know how they argue that that wasn't a shot attempt, though. It's all gray area stuff. It I'm sure just is. Glad, I'm just glad common sense prevailed.
0: Okay, well, there's your update. Everybody can sleep well at night. Um, Giannis... Okay, quickly, if, you,
1: if you're, like, on the double. fence here, what's your take on players that refuse to shoot the ball at the buzzer to try and protect their three-point percentage? Especially in a tight game,
0: but, do they need the bucket? Yeah. Well, then, well, they could use the, the bucket.
1: Do they need it? But some some players to Did you see a take LeBron on. James like passed it to Dennis Schroeder because he didn't want to take the shot? He didn't want to heave up like the buzzer-beating three that happens at the end of every quarter in pretty much every game.
0: Nah, less 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 uh, glaring than what Giannis did.
1: Yes, definitely less glaring, but about the same thing, about your own personal statistics. Mm. It's all fake stuff. And that would have been the fakest triple-double ever, and I'm glad the NBA took it away.
0: All right. Justin can uh, leave today feeling lighter. That justice was served. Okay, the rest (laughs) of our our show, we got Bryce Salvador at 7, Alvin Williams, 7.30, Josh Cloak at 8. We'll do the Wake and Rake setup, Leafs, Devils as well. Take a look at the NFL futures change with some of the quarterback shuffles and the World Baseball Classic. It's right around the corner. We might be drafting our teams later in the show. So send in your Wake and Rake picks at 5.90, 5.90. We'll get that in at 8.30. And on the other side of the break, let's tee up Leafs, Devils.